Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. All of us, we're going to stand before God. There's two different judgments. You understand that, right? There's the great white throne judgment where there's that determination whether or not you're a follower of Jesus. But then there's the judgment seat of Christ where we stand for God and we account for what we've done with what he's given us. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. So, Father, it's in the name of Jesus that again we come before you. And we've declared, yes, you're the way maker. And yes, we trust in you, Jesus. And that is sweet. And and yet so often we just don't when things don't go our way or or when change is too hard or where we find ourselves somewhere we don't really want to be. We, we put up our hands and we thumb our nose and God forbid, but we even in very very explicit ways, we'd let you know that we don't want what you're offering. Forgive us and speak to us so that in this moment we might have what we've not yet received that you want to give. So that in this moment, we might learn that which we've not yet learned that you want us to learn. But really, Lord, so that we might become that which we've not yet become that you want us to become. Because you don't want just a transactional relationship with us. You want to transform us into your image. So, God, please use me. And you know, you and I talk a lot about how I'm not worthy. And, and you know the real me. And So God, I pray that my words would be your words today. And my thoughts would be your thoughts. And that the end result of this would be that miracle of redemption. That someone would come to know you. And, and that your kingdom would expand. And that your will would be done. And that our lives would be transformed because we're in this place. And for that We say yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jeremiah chapter 29. God's word begins to describe explicitly what's taking place there. The king Nebuchadnezzar, he had big plans for the children of Israel. He didn't follow what some evil kings would have done. He, he didn't expel them or exterminate them. That, that happens throughout history, right? That's happening with the Uyghur people in Asia even today. And so finally, our, our government 
took a stand and said, this is not okay. That happened to the Jewish people under Hitler's regime, right? The extermination, the, the sought-after extermination of an entire group of people. We've seen it repeatedly in history. That's not what Nebuchadnezzar was doing. Nor was he enslaving them and subjugating them. We've seen that throughout history too, to, to show we're more powerful by putting you under us. No, his plan was more to assimilate or incorporate this group of people. Because he knew what the enemy today knows, that if, if we who are in the world get the world into us, <laughs> we lose our power and effectiveness. So if Babylon got into the children of Israel, then man, Nebuchadnezzar would have really accomplished his goal. And so God has to address this, and that's what begins to take place in Verse 1 of chapter 29, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people. So this is everybody. This is a letter to everybody. And that's important because just like all of the Bible, remember there's a specific context at a point in time. There's a general context that usually can apply to everybody. And then there's another specific context where God may be working in your life. And so when we gather on a Sunday, usually what takes place is we are taught a little about that specific context in time. We're reminded about the general context that everybody on every seat can relate to. And then we ask the Holy Spirit to speak into that specific context in our lives. So these are to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Who took them into exile? Okay, look at it there. It, it's in your Bible in verse 1. Who took the children of Israel into exile? Okay, Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, okay. Well, this was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. So this is after people like the royal family that Daniel was a part of. They had been gone. So Daniel's in Babylon. This letter was sent by the hand of Elisha, the son of uh, Shaphan, and uh, Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, and, and Zedekiah. You know, a lot of times people talk about what's the first thing you do when you get to heaven? I think one of the first things I'm going to do after I've spent a, a few million years with Jesus face to face, I'm going to go look for all these people whose names I mispronounced for so many years and just give them a personal, personal apology. So whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, it said, now here we get into it, verse 4, thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, hold on a second. Who sent them into exile? Yeah, be careful because we serve a sovereign God. And sometimes you find yourself in a situation and you're pointing the finger at how you got there. And yet really it's a part of the plan of a sovereign God. Verse 5, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, do not decrease. Notice verse 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. 
For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie they are prophesying in your name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and and I will hear you, and you will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. This, my friends, is the Word of God. And there's a big idea that I want you to grasp as we dive in to these verses. Here it is. God is at work for your good and His glory, and He wants to use you to accomplish His plan. God is at work all around you. Sometimes you see Him, sometimes you don't. He's working for your good. He's working for His glory. But don't miss this. He wants you to be a part of his plan. So there's three things that just jump off the pages from this passage of Scripture that are relevant to us and why we are here, why we exist as a church, why when we become a follower of Christ, he doesn't just beam us to heaven, but he leaves us here where we are. The first thing is this. God wants us to give our lives to the places where he's planted us. Give your life to the place where God has planted you. So here they are in exile. They're captives. Aliens in a foreign land. And remember what God said in verse 5. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens. Eat the produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. This was a specific message. He was saying, all right, you've been staying on the outskirts. You've been resisting. Stop it. Stop isolating and start participating. And I have to tell you, throughout history, those of us who've sought after God, after the New Testament, those who followed Christ, man, this is a balance that is hard to navigate, isn't it? Because we know we're supposed to be in the world, but we're not of the world. And so as a result, sometimes we find ourselves hiding behind our walls and we're isolated from the very ones that God has put us there to impact. And God is saying to the children of Israel, so don't just survive. I, I want you to thrive. Or as the cliche says, he, he's saying, bloom where you're planted. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. 
we are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Stop waiting for when I get over here, things are going to get better. Do it now. Or as we would say when I was growing up, take off your shoes and stay a while. I've spent my life around people that have a, when I get their mentality, and usually it relates to their faith. Boy, I'm going to get involved in church when, when I get out of college. And then they're out of college and, and they're newly married. And they say, we're, we're going to get involved in church after we've been married for a little while. And, and then they have kids. And, and they say, we're going to get involved in church when our, when our kids are a little more healthy and, and grown. And then they begin to grow up. And there's soccer and dance and gymnastics and basketball. And they say, we're going to get involved in church when life's just not so busy. And then all of a sudden, their kids are gone and, and they have not prioritize the things of God and and their kids watch them marginalize the things of God and and all of a sudden their kids are not following after God and they're not following after God and their life is is passing them by and they've missed the opportunity. I think God is often saying, stop waiting for me to change your location and start evaluating why I've put you there, which is your vocation. Vocation means more than a job. It it means your calling. What if God has placed you where you are as a part of your calling as a follower of Christ? Well, what if as a student, he sent you to the University of South Florida or the University of Tampa or Hillsborough Community College because he knows that the nations are represented there? What if he's placed you in this part of the world because he knows he's placed the world in this part of Florida? What has God called you to do here? What are you here for? You think you're any different than the children of Israel? They were strangers. You sometimes feel out of place. They were exiles. You often think you don't fit. They were foreigners. And yet God told them to settle down. He was saying, yes, I have a plan, and you are a part of the plan. That's why I clarified for you how they got there. In verse 1, it says Nebuchadnezzar put them into exile. But in verse 4, and then again in verse 14, God said, I put you there. Where has God put you that he wants to use you? God was saying, I have a plan for my people, but I also have a plan for the city. And my people are the plan for the city. What if God put you right where you are right now so that you could make an impact for him and that you could make a difference for his glory? By the way, in case you're wondering, that's exactly what the Bible says. In Acts 17 in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit of God inspired Dr. Luke to tell us through the Apostle Paul that that God determines our boundaries. So you thought you chose where you were going to live? Think again. 
God was orchestrating this part of his plan. What if you stopped thinking about where you're going next and started thinking about what you're going to do here now? I'm going to say that again because I think it was good. What if you stop thinking about what you're going to do next and, and start really asking God, what do you want me to do right here, right now? Like the children of Israel in Babylon, we the church, we Christ followers, we struggle to find our place in society. And too often we run away because we're different. You see, the Bible calls Christians those very names that we've been using to describe the children of Israel. We're called resident aliens. We're called strangers and sojourners. We're called citizens of a different kingdom. This world is not our home. In this world, we won't find our hope. And yet God has placed us here. We struggle because we're different, but we also struggle because we don't like change. We see this especially in larger metropolitan areas and cities where communities constantly change, like the one around our central campus. This campus is located in Temple Terrace, Florida. First golf course community in the great sunshine state. A place that at a time was the place to be in the Tampa area. And like every community that's ever existed, it changes over time because we change. We get older, new people move in, some people move out. And you know what the church across America has done? When the community changes, the church runs away. It doesn't look like us anymore. That's not my people. I don't feel like I know anyone. In fact, that's how the megachurch movement grew in our society. I wish I could say most of our large churches existed because they were evangelistic in nature and reaching more and more people, but it's not. It's the attractional model and the Walmart mentality. The attractional model says if we have the best preaching, if we have the best music, if our bathrooms and our nurseries don't smell mad, then maybe we'll have more people. And the Walmart mentality says, hey, if we're just bigger, then we'll put all the little ones out of business. And yet if there's one thing a worldwide pandemic has taught us, it's that the attractional model is not enough. Because when the personality is not there and the, the programs don't exist and the place you gather can't be met in, you had better have something else. But we run away whether it's white flight or in a place like Temple Terrace, Muslim flight, our community's changing, and so we leave. What if instead of running away from that which is different from us, we actively said, God, you placed me here. How can I be a part of your plan? Well, what if... Always searching and seeking to find that which is better. We said, Lord, how can you use us to make here better? What if instead of thinking what's best for me, we began to think what's best for my city, for my community, for this place where I live? What if instead of always asking, why am I here? 
we begin saying, I am here for you. That was God's message to the people, the children of Israel. And it makes sense. Think of our greatest comfort from God. What is the name of of Jesus that we're taught in the Christmas story that gives you the greatest comfort? It's probably the name Emmanuel. Why? Because what does Emmanuel mean? God is with us. We find comfort and we find peace from knowing our God is here. What if we begin to realize that the people around us, the people in our community, the people in our city will find comfort and peace when the love of God through us is here. And that's what this four campaign is all about. On each of our campuses in each of those communities, we're we're saying we are here. Every one of our campuses is in a community that's changed. And yet we're saying we're not running away. We're here for you. And we're really suggesting that we spend a lot of resource on this central campus because that's where our largest resource is. And the idea is let's reposition this campus structurally to position us to accomplish our mission for generations to come. Let's deal with what has been decades of deferred maintenance and let's improve so that we might drive a stake into the ground here in this community and say, we are here for you. We are here for you. We are here for you. What would happen in your individual life if you committed this to living in that manner? Giving your life to the place where God has planted you. What if you assumed that God was just going to leave you where you are? How would you live differently for him? First, we see that we're to give our life to the place God has planted us. And by the way, I can't do that if it's all about me. If it's all about me, I'm a consumer, not a contributor. And in church, here's the way it plays out. If it's all about me, if I don't like the preaching I leave, and I usually use an excuse, whether it's accurate or not, I say, I'm not getting fed. That's the same reason you stop going to a restaurant. You don't like what you're getting fed. That's a consumer. Or you say, I don't like the music. Or I don't like this change. It's all about me. What if you said, it's not about me, God. You've put me here. I don't understand it. But I'm going to bloom where I planted. I'm going to take my shoes off and stay a while. I'm going to give my life here. Number two. He says, give your love to the people around you. That's that's what's amazing. He didn't just say stay there. He didn't just say build houses. He went beyond that. Look at verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Now think about that. They were captives. (laughs) This was an evil king. And the God they serve is saying... Seek their welfare. 
and pray for them. Your enemies. They would understand this because we know in the Psalms it says, pray for the peace of where? Pray for the peace of where, does the Bible tell us? Jerusalem. And love the city, it says in the Psalms. Well, now God is saying to the same people who are told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, hey, you pray for your enemy and seek their welfare. And that word welfare is literally that biblical word, shalom. And we hear that and we think of peace. But it's so much more. There's not really a good English word to describe that word shalom because it's, it's comprehensive. It's all-inclusive. It speaks to flourishing in every dimension socially and economically and physically and spiritually. So God is saying, you pray for them that they will flourish in every way possible. And you can't do that without loving them. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.